Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of Equine Nutrition 101 with Claire Tunis, PhD, an equine nutritionist who owns Summit Equine Nutrition based in Gilbert, Arizona. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2021 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. Tunis works as a consultant with veterinarians, horse owners, and trainers globally to take the guesswork out of feeding horses, and she provides services to select companies. As a nutritionist, she works with all equids, from WEG competitors all the way to miniature donkeys and everything in between. Born in England, she earned her undergraduate degree at Edinburgh University in Scotland and her master's and doctorate in nutrition at the University of California, Davis. Thank you, Dr. Tunis, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about Equine Nutrition 101 for veterinarians. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we know that often equine veterinarians get the majority of their nutrition training as undergrads. We also mm -hmm. know, as in human medicine, veterinarians are learning today that nutrition is a key to equine health, wellness, and even recovery. So let's just have a bit of a refresher on equine nutrition as it pertains to situations that veterinarians face on a day-to-day -day basis. We understand that each of these topics could be a podcast in and to itself, but we'll hit the high points in this episode. So I'm going to set the scenario. You're getting ready to get in your truck after giving shots or having a wellness exam or whatever you've done. And the client asks, so what do you think of the horse's condition and how he's fed up? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, right. You always, you always get those great questions just as you've got one foot out the door, right? <laughs> so uh, no, it's a great question. And it's, a, and it's an awesome opportunity for the veterinarians to have that conversation about you know the condition of their client's horse and to kind of get into a little bit of nutrition not at any great depth but just to kind of see if they're in the right ballpark right um so you know what i do when i when i go out and i visit uh, clients on farm is one of the first things we do is um you know look at the horse put a weight tape on that horse and then you know body condition score that horse so all of our nutrient uh, sort of requirement guidelines are based on what the horse weighs and what it does for a living. Um, so physiologically, you know, is it in work? Is it lactating broodmare? Is it a breeding stallion? Is it a growing yearling? You know, these all have impacts on the, the horse's nutritional requirement combined with its weight. So I need to know the horse's weight. There's some interesting research that's been done, uh, both with veterinarians and owners, asking them to, you know, sort of estimate the horse's weight just based on looking at it. Um, and uh, sadly, that's really not very accurate. And what was really interesting is they did that with recent uh, grads as well as, you know, long time in the field veterinarians. Um, and I always joke with my clients and say, you know, new horse owners and say, you know, here's a little something, you know. You're, you're a veterinarian who's been doing this for 30 years. The research shows is actually no better at this than you are. So we're, none of us are any good really at, at sort of guessing weight very accurately. So we do need to get that tape out, put a tape on them. Better yet is to take those measurements and do the calculation. Um, and there are some cool apps out there now that you, know, you can do the, the circumference and the length and pop it into an app. Um, I think University of Guelph have a good app for that. You know, and you can calculate it, which is a little more accurate than just taking the girth uh circumference but using that weight tape so you know what it weighs because that's going to give you some some ideas about the amount of forage it should be getting if it's getting a hard feed the amount it should be getting you know but then that's only one piece of the pie right so um so it weighs 1200 pounds on your tape well great what does that mean i mean if the horse is you know 
severely underweight and it should weigh 1400 pounds and 1200 pounds isn't the ideal weight for that horse and conversely if it's meant to be a thousand pounds 1200 pounds isn't a good weight for your horse so the next thing you have to do is body condition score it so really getting familiar with that body condition scoring scale um, and getting your hands on that horse especially at this time in the winter um, you know we have a horse in the barn who looks really good but you know if you actually put your hand on him he's not clipped he's he's a little ribby um so owners and uh, as well need to be encouraged to get their hands on their horses especially in the winter when they're off season you know perhaps and there may be not you know these trail horses and things that maybe don't get ridden in the winter and are just turned out to pasture and look great and fluffy and in actuality they need a few more calories um, so for me, the body condition score really helps to clarify, okay, is that tape weight the right weight for this horse? You know, and if it's not, then we know, do we need more calories? Do we need fewer calories or are we just where we need to be? Um, so that's a really good thing to do. And I think it's really great if veterinarians can teach their clients how to do that. I encourage my clients to, you know, condition school their horses kind of every month and really take a pause and really stand back. I mean, we're all busy people, right? And it's it's easy to get stuck in that sort of just running to the barn, grab the horse, groom it, chuck the tack on ride and put it back in the stall. And how often do we honestly actually just sort of like pause and step back and kind of go, how does my horse really actually look right now? You know, and encouraging owners just to do that every month um, is really useful too. And they can often catch those weight losses or gains early before they become a you know a bigger issue um and then just really asking them you know what what are you feeding i mean if the if you're standing there and the horse actually looks good uh, is in good weight you know shiny coat seems happy and healthy um you know the assumption is is that they're doing the right thing and they're probably pretty close um, but there are a few details that might still be missing and the horse may still look great, but actually when you get into the details, there's a few important things missing. So I would still want to know, you know, what are you actually feeding? You know, how much hay is this horse getting if it's at this time of year where quite often we're, you know, substituting our pasture if they're out with hay or maybe they only ever get hay because they're stalled year round um, and making sure that we're falling in that sort of one and a half to two percent of body weight per day you know, as forage consumption, which is so important for gut health. Um, and yes, there are those very easy keepers that need to be fed a little less than one and a half percent. But again, I don't encourage my clients to do that without some veterinary support because you are getting into a little, you know, tricky territory there when you're not um, honoring that kind of intake of forage. You run the risk of, you know, ulcers and hindgut disturbance and what have you. So that needs to be done carefully and in a kind of a well thought out way. Um, but are they feeding that minimum of one and a half to two percent of body weight per day is hay? And that can mean weighing their hay, <laughs> um, which, you know, everyone always kind of groans about. And but, you know, yes, I would love everyone to weigh their hay every day. But um, the reality is, is that, you know, if you have a luggage scale, most people, you know, easy to get on Amazon or from the local store, you know, um, or a fish scale. Um, you know, wrap a few, wrap a, f a few flakes up with some string, like a, you know, Christmas parcel and like hang it on your luggage scale. If you do that with three, four, five flakes, you start to get a sense of an average flake weight for that load of hay. Now, the next load of hay might be different because it gets squeezed into the bale differently. Um, so you do have, you have to tell them that they need, and I've seen that problem in a barn where people are fed religiously by flakes and you know the next batch of hay the flakes are two pound a flake lighter and suddenly everything's losing weight and it's like well that's you know you haven't adjusted for the fact these are tiny flakes and you were feeding big fat flakes last time um 
So doing that, so you really know you've already got your horse's weight because you just put the weight tape on it. So you can do the quick math of what is, you know, one and a half, two percent of body weight. What would that be? And, you know, pounds of hay. And is that how many flakes or whatever they're feeding? And then, you know, assuming that they've got that part right, what else are they feeding? Because what we know about our hay is that for most horses, either at maintenance or light work and even some in moderate work, if they're fed a good amount of forage, um, can meet most of their energy needs from from the forage, most of their protein, most of their calcium phosphorus is going to come from the forage. But where the forage can fall short is in some of those trace minerals. So your copper, your zinc in some regions of the country, your selenium um, and vitamin E, uh, which is a, we're learning is a really big one. Um, it doesn't survive the heat curing process of, you know, being laid out in the sun when they when they uh, kind of cure that hay, you lose a lot of your vitamin E. So horses relying on really hay based forage diets can be quite low in vitamin E. And that actually um, can lead to, you know, we have vitamin E myopathies, we have you know, NAD, we, you know, we have other conditions that where the vitamin E really is important and just general muscle health is just important. Um, so looking at what else are they adding to that horse's ration to fill those gaps. And that can come in many forms. One of the biggest mistakes that I see is that classic, oh, you know, I feed a scoop of senior or, um, you know, or, you know, a scoop of a performance feed. And um, first of all, what does that even mean, right? I mean, so what's a scoop? I mean, we're talking a three-quart box scoop. Are we talking about the little plastic round cup that some of the feed manufacturers give out for free? Are we talking about, you know, a coffee cup or a coffee can that you donated to your feed room? You know, what's a scoop? So that's a really important question too. Um, and then hopefully they still have the bag that the feed came in so that you can look and see what the feeding directions are because the manufacturers are going to have formulated this, their feed with a specific feeding rate per head per day in mind. And the concentration of minerals and vitamins that have been put in that are very specific to that feeding rate. If you feed that feed at that feeding rate, then you will be providing the horse with the bits and pieces that are missing in your hay. But if you're not feeding at a feeding rate, you're still going to be deficient. And that's one of the biggest things I see with uh, people when I work with them is they'll be feeding the you know, complete fee, senior complete feed or the performance feed. And I, they say, oh, I'm feeding. You know, it turns out they're feeding a pound and a half a day. And I say, well, you do understand that for a, you know, 1300 pound in you know, moderate work or whatever, the minimum feeding is you know, nine pounds of this performance feed per day and their eyeballs fall out of their head. You know? And they're kind of like, if I fed that much, I'd get bucked off or the thing would be obese. And I'm like, well, you're doing the right thing, right? You're feeding to condition. You fed this horse to a body condition score of five. And you're right. If you fed nine pounds, it would be obese. That's telling you that this is not the right feed for this horse. Your horse doesn't need that much concentrated feed. And so what you need to do is find a feed that only has a pound and a half serving size per day. And it turns out those feeds are out there. They're called ration balances in the industry. Um, nearly every major manufacturer has one. They tend to be super high in protein, which scares a lot of people. And I've had this conversation um, before with um, actually veterinarians who are concerned about, oh, but it's 30% protein. I was actually working with a horse that had some renal issues. So they really wanted to reduce the protein uh, in the ration. And um, we're wanting to put it on a 14% senior feed 
um, at about six pounds per day instead of the one and a half pounds of the 30% ration balance there. And it took quite a long time in this conversation to explain that actually the amount of protein we would be feeding would actually, and this is, would have been less feeding the 30% ration balancer than the amount of 14% senior feed they wanted to feed. So, you know, don't be afraid of these high percentage you know, values for the protein and these ration balances. There's so many myths, I and mean, there could be a whole separate podcast on the myths surrounding protein. You know, it doesn't make horses hot. You know, it doesn't cause growth deformities and growing foals uh, and young stock. You know, there's so many unfortunate myths about protein, but um, many of our grass hay-based diets really, really actually benefit from that high quality protein. Um, so that's, you know, so substituting that pound and a half of sort of misfed performance feed or complete feed for the same pound and a half of a ration balancer is going to put this horse in a much better position. Because when you look at, you know, the concentration of, say, for example, zinc in a ration balancer, it might be 750. In some of them, it's even a thousand parts per million. So that's milligrams per kilogram. Whereas in your performance feed, it might only be 120, 180 parts per million. So you can see the concentration is so much higher because the manufacturer is expecting you to feed such a smaller quantity. Um, similarly, the vitamin E is going to be a little higher in a ration balancer. But with vitamin E, you know, that still may not be enough. So I, um, I actually really encourage my clients, um, when I do a diet for them, when we kind of switch things up, I get them to feed the diet for kind of four to six weeks, and then we pull blood and really test vitamin E. Because what we're learning um, from some of the research on vitamin E is that even though on paper, I can create a diet that meets or exceeds the National Research Council's recommendations for vitamin E, those horses will still test deficient in vitamin E. Some of that can depend on the type of vitamin E that's being put in the feeds and supplements that people are using. Synthetic is not as well absorbed as natural. Some of it has a lot to do with individual variation and how that horse utilizes vitamin E. And I've actually had uh, clients where we've had three horses where we fed almost exactly the same thing. They're kind of doing the same kind of work. We pull blood on all three, three completely different serum vitamin E values. Go figure. So, um, so that was really interesting um, and really actually confirms what we're learning from the research. So you really you do have to pull that blood because I've seen it time and time again. Like I, I can make a diet that's, you know, considerably over NRC and this horse will still test deficient. And it's so important for long term muscle health. We know that horses that live with long term vitamin E deficiencies are at greater risk of um, some, you know, vitamin E related problems down the road. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the makers of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their ongoing investment in our industry, profession, and community at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. And I, and I would say the same thing about long-term copper and zinc issues. I mean, I see this trace mineral issues. I see or, or diets that are just not well balanced. The mineral ratios are not good. Um, and again, that's where feeding your feed properly is going to help balance that ration properly. I've worked with horses that have, you know, ended up being hypoparathyroid because 
turned out their grass hay was actually pretty low in calcium and they almost had that like one to one calcium phosphorus ratio and they actually showed up at the vet school um with like shifting lamenesses it's like oh well today it's lame on this leg and today it's lame on that leg and when they did sort of new scanning on it the thing that sort of lit up is your bone density issues and and it was very easily corrected when um we got that calcium phosphorus ratio in place um which would have been a non-issue had the correct feed been been fed at the correct rate it would have corrected for that so those you can't see that the horse can look super and i often get that from clients oh but he's winning he's doing great and i'm like well that's great but you know if you if you live with suboptimal nutrient values year on year on year somewhere it's going to catch up with you right i mean we know that in human nutrition i mean i can eat poorly through my 30s and 40s and look pretty good and I'll pay the price in my 60s and 70s with heart disease and diabetes and things you know it, it just comes back down the road and and so it's it's so important that even if the horse standing in front of you is kind of shiny and fit and healthy looking you know we want it to still look that way in five years time you know and if you've been living with a copper deficiency for five years is that going to be the case and these trace minerals are so important for all kinds of things, right? You need manganese for chondroit and sulfate formation. You need copper for collagen formation. Zinc is involved with like 300 different metabolic processes, vital for immune function, skin health, hoof health. And this is what I see too. I see, you know, this horse now, maybe you go in the barn, you check their feeding program and it's just a sort of cacophony of stuff, right? It's just this like shelves and shelves of, a hoof supplement and a coat supplement and a calming supplement and you know whatever and and people get very nervous when I will do a diet for them and I kind of get rid of all that and I just put them on a good quality balancer or what have you and they're like but, but but what about the hoof supplement and I'm like well actually we've got more zinc and copper and high quality amino acids now in the ration than we had when you were feeding your hoof supplement. And that's not to say that hoof supplements are never needed. There are always going to be those horses that need them in addition. But to me, it's a fallacy to kind of your base diet is not well balanced and missing key pieces. And then you're just adding these bits, trying to fix these holes. It's like, you know, create a really good base foundation. And then if you still have issues, that's when you supplement. That's, I think, the point of the term, right? They're supposed to be supplements. They're not supposed to be sort of the base of your diet, you know. Um, and so, you know, hoof health relies on, you know, copper and zinc um you know coat quality too um you know having enough fatty acids in the diet is really important for you know good coat and a, uh, and a nice mane and tail and the like and so having you know having those base pieces in play is is really important and so um i think that when you, if you walk in the feed room and there's just like stuff everywhere all over that thing that's a good a good sort of okay let's take a deep breath and let's and i always ask people too and i think you can learn a lot and this could be very useful as veterinarians why are you feeding that supplement? Like what motivated you to actually buy that hoof supplement? Why did you, why did you buy that such and such digest product? You know, like what was going on in that moment that made you feel your horse needed that? And to me, that's super useful information because sometimes our clients forget to share important things with us, you know? So maybe this horse isn't quite as healthy as they're letting on maybe actually he he has some ongoing digestive stuff that they've just sort of so normal to them now they've forgotten to share that with you in your annual wellness 
uh, appointment or what have you and just taking a step in the feed room and looking at the shelf it's like if you've got a ton of calming supplements it's like okay well what's going on and then you know why is this horse on edge and not calm for this rider do they have digestive distress I mean like if you've got indigestion you don't feel very calm either you just feel on edge all the time right is it because they're you know not feeding the horse you know they're not honoring the digestive anatomy and physiology they're not feeding that one and a half two percent of forage per day and you know the poor horse's digestive tract is screaming out for some help you know I think stepping in the feed room you can again asking why and at occasion you're going to get well I, I don't really remember or I don't know Sally was feeding it her horse looks great I mean let's be honest right they don't always remember why they're feeding what they're feeding <laughs> so you just have to be kind of tactful about that <laughs> um so uh yeah but you can often learn a lot about and it's useful information you know um when you started feeding this, did you see a difference? I mean, if you put the horse on a digestive supplement of some kind, let's say it's a yeast product or a, you know, sorry, a prebiotic support product because the horse had, I don't know, suffering from some loose manure or what have you, you know, did it, did it do anything? Did it help? Um, sometimes the answer is no, and they're just keeping off feeding it, in which case you're sort of like, well, maybe we can just get rid of it then because, you know, if, it, if you gave it for a specific reason and it did nothing to help that, problem then why are we still feeding it you know save yourself some money um but sometimes it helps and then you can learn a little bit about um you know if you understand what those ingredients are supposed to do if you understand what prebiotics do for example and it helped clear it up it gives you some sense of what was going on for it to have worked then this is what must have been going on in that horse's hindgut for that product to have actually been effective um you know, those kinds of things. Um, so, but uh, yeah, oftentimes they're not very clear on why they're, uh, why they're feeding what they're feeding. Uh, and sometimes they just, and it's funny, they'll just compound things and keep adding things. And, and, and they sometimes are a little, a little sheepish about the fact that they don't, um, they don't know. And you have to, you know, reassure them. It's, you know, it's okay. It's, it's okay. You know, it's, it's all right. Like not to make them feel bad because when, when somebody actually makes them stop and look at what they're doing, sometimes they realize they've actually not been very smart. And, um, you know, it's important not to kind of penalize them in that moment and just to kind of say, it's okay. We can, we can move forward from here and let's do this, this, and this. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of confusing information out there for owners. I mean, I think they really value having a, you know, a sound of reason, a you know, voice of reason to uh, bounce ideas off of and, and to be. And so, you know, if they know that you're you're interested in that, in their whole program and their whole management, you know, they're going to come to you and ask you, you know, those questions. And I think it really, um, you know, it helps to really be interested in their whole relationship with their horse and not, you know, just treat the horse standing in front of you, but to look at the whole management picture. And I encourage, you know, I'd encourage you know, all of us to be to be better about that and to look at the horse's whole environment and how it's being managed because we 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 know that so many of the conditions that we're trying to deal with, you know, with these horses are management related, are environmental, are you know the result of their lifestyle or you know what we do with them. Um, and sometimes they're easy to fix, sometimes they're not, <laughs> but sometimes they are. And and if you really, I don't know, I remember going and seeing a client once whose horse. Um, had ulcers and had been diagnosed as having ulcers and you know walked in the stall and it had it was a stall with a run on the back and um the horse next door was just evil 
you know, and he'll just kind of go at it over the back fence. I'm like, are they always like that? And they was like, oh yeah, he does that all the time. And I mean, immediately for me, I'm like, your horse does not look very, you know, like it's kind of being picked on over the fence. He can't relax in his own space ever. And I said, have you ever considered that this might be contributing to this horse's stress and possibly to your ulcer problem? Like, is there another stall in the barn that maybe your barn owner would you could try moving to, you know, put it in a different stall or what have you. And and again, just taking that time to observe the whole environment and to see the horse in its environment. I think so often, um, you know, I watch the vets in my own barn arrive and so often the horses are cross-tied and waiting for them. You know, they don't get to see them in their uh, own environment. And that's a big part of a lot of what I do is remote because I do work with people all over the country. And so I don't see the horses in their environment. So I ask a lot of questions over the phone about how that horse is managed and what kind of stall it's in. And, you know, just those kinds of questions to get a really big picture. And it's surprising the number of times I pick up on something that actually has a role in what we're trying to deal with nutritionally um, or the management of that condition. So, and something you, you often, I've heard you speak before, and uh, I know you speak at vet schools and conferences as well as to to horse owner groups, but I've, I've heard you talk to vets and students and say, don't forget the little things like, does the horse have access to salt? Right. (laughs) Absolutely. I I had, I did a consultation for somebody at a, um, at a show once it was a dressage show, four day dressage show. And it was kind of the fourth day. And, um, the horse was struggling by the fourth day. I mean, it was just, she didn't have the horse on day four that she had on day one. <clears throat> and so we were, she was motivated to kind of work with me. And so and I was just running down my list and I said, does it have salt? Oh yeah. It has, how do you provide your salt? Okay. Well, it gets in a salt block. I'm like, okay. And I'm looking over the stable door at this show stall. And I'm like, so where is it? And she said, oh, we don't bring it to the show with us. It's at home. And I'm like, okay, so, and it was hot. It was just when I lived in Northern California. It was a summer show in like June and it was, you know, solid 90 degrees every day. And I'm like, okay, so it's been here four days in a stall. I mean, okay, it's in a stall, but, you know, these are not, they don't have fans or they're not, they're not fancy. They're you know, canvas show stalls. They're hot, right? And it's working. And I'm like, and you don't have, you didn't bring any salt with you? Because you know, they don't think about it because they're reliant on that block on the wall and they don't think about it. So that's one reason why I'm really big into getting um, my clients to actually put it in the feed and have a block, but to put it in the feed because then it's part of your daily feeding. And if you take it on the road, it's just part of what you that goes with you. Um, but yeah, the little things like salt is huge. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the cheapest colic insurance you can buy, to be honest, right? It keeps them hydrated, keeps them drinking. Um, so, uh, you know, if you value your nights in bed as a veterinarian, I'd encourage you to not want to go out and do colics in the middle of the night, uh, especially during those temperature fluctuations, right? Especially when the weather is changing, those seasonal changes. I mean, we know it's not so much, we know that those fall colics, it's not, it's not so much the weather as it is that we change our management practices around the weather, right? So depending on where you are in the country, but like, you know, the Midwest and the Northeast and the East Coast, where we have a little more grazing than we do out here on the West Coast. And those horses are out all day on good pasture. And then either the pasture kind of just goes dormant or now they're being brought in and they're actually stalled 24-7 with very limited turnout in the winter. And on a they've gone from a very moist grass-based diet where, you know, fresh grass is 85% water. You know, it's a high amount of water to coming in and being fed hay, which is maybe 85% dry, you know. 
and they, they have to drink more water and they're not used to drinking because they just get it all from the pasture, you know. So having that salt in the ration will really help, you know, keep them keep them drinking. It's a, it's a great, uh, great colic insurance um, and it's such an easy, cheap thing to do. And then having a having a block as well. I'm a big believer in always having access to salt, but I do like to give them that base salt requirement. And that's, you know, for your typical 11, 1200 pound horse, you're looking at so two tablespoons of salt a day um, is going to give them. But that just gives them the sodium they need for maintenance. So that's no forced exercise standing around on a cool day, you know, just ambling around in a pasture doing their own thing on a cool day. They need two tablespoons of salt, about 10 grams of sodium a day, which is quite a lot. And then when you work on top of that, now their work, now their sodium levels go up. And now they're, you know, what we know about horse sweat is it's concentrated in electrolytes, right? So they dump a lot of electrolytes out in their sweat. That's where your electrolyte then comes in. The purpose of your electrolyte supplement is to replace what they've lost in sweat. It's not to give them the daily maintenance requirement of sodium. You need your salt as your baseline maintenance sodium, and then you add your electrolyte on top of that on days that they work super hard and are sweating, or you've got those super hot days um, to replace what they've lost in sweat. And I think that's a, a, a common you know, mistake that people, people make. They don't realize they need that baseline sort of sodium in there. Um, and it really does help keep them drinking. I've worked with a number of you know top event horses don't drink on trailers don't drink at shows and just by getting that salt every day in there um have got them drinking on trailers and drinking at shows and and owners then not having to give iv fluids after dressage at a three-day event which gets very expensive very quickly and um you know simple simple fix yeah well dr tunis we really appreciate you joining us today and giving you just just having some veterinarians, just a refresher of, or a reminder of some of the things just to look for as far mm -hmm. as the, the nutrition and, and the uh, maintenance of, of these horses go. Is. And just a nice reminder to check out the horse in its environment and yeah. be observant. Yeah. And I, I think I would say too, when I say this, when I, when I lecture to the vet students at the vet schools, you know, you don't have to be an expert in all things. Right. So, um, it's okay if you don't feel super confident in the nutrition side of equine practice. There are people out there who can help you with that, um, that you can reach out to for support and help um, to help you support your clients. And that's a win-win for everyone. Um, so I always encourage people, you know, don't be afraid of what you don't know or don't, what you don't feel confident in. It's, it's veterinary medicine is such a huge topic. I can't as a, somebody who wanted to be a vet at one point in my career. Um, now, thank golly, what a huge amount of knowledge. I'm just, you know, astounded by the knowledge that, that veterinarians have. It's truly phenomenal. Um, and it's really hard. You, I, nobody can know everything. So, yeah. you know, it's okay to not, to have, to feel that you need a little help sometimes in the nutrition area. And there are people out there who can help you um, when, you've, when you're stumped by some of the more complicated issues. Um, that you're running into who can give you that support. So don't ever be afraid to reach out to those people. Well, that that's another good tip. So thank you very much, Dr. Tunis, for being our guest on today's episode of Disease Du Jour. And we'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. And a special thanks to our 2021 sponsor, Merck Animal Health. We'd like to ask you to please listen and rate previous and future episodes of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. 
And make sure and take our survey on the Equimanagement page where we have also the podcast put up so you can get to it easily. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, send me an email to kbrown at aimmedia.com. Disease Du Jour is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. 